AgriTalk is brought to you by Full Scale from Helena. Grow Strong returns this season with breakthrough foliar nutrition from Full Scale at Reproduction. And by Propane. Propane is the energy for everyone, especially farmers. Environmentally friendly propane can fuel most anything on the farm. See how at propane.com. The news cycle is in high gear again this week. We'll slow it down and check off what we need to know about several issues. And how about taking advantage of the low water levels to make some necessary upgrades? Let's learn about a new effort to bring container shipments to the Missouri River. Live from November Day via Farm Journal broadcast, this is AgriTalk This Morning. We'll begin with a conversation with the Brinestein, pro-farmer editor Brian Grady. Then it's Congressman Sam Graves from Missouri, and later Brett Griffin. Right after the news, Karen Bonert from Farm Journal's Milk. I'm handsome newsman Davis Michelson. Now, welcome the host of AgriTalk, Chip Laurie. All right, Davis. Hey, thank you so much, and What's welcome to... Um, well, it's it's been a challenging morning, let's put it that way. Okay. 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 Yeah. Not, nothing to do with you, nothing to do with... It's just been a bit of a challenging morning up here, no no doubt. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Okay, so we've got Karen Boner coming up because, well, number one, it's Tuesday. Number two, she's got Milk Business Conference coming up here very quickly. And this is, boy, it is one of the, if not the premier event for dairy producers and uh Every opportunity that I get to go to Milk Business Conference, you learn something, you you come back rejuvenated. Karen's got uh, another uh, conference coming up the middle of December. We're going to get some of the details there. Of course, I'm looking forward to the conversation with Brian and uh, uh, Representative Sam Graves from Missouri with an update on what is happening on the Missouri River to expand the capacity to move containers up and down that river you know we think about barges as as a bulk right you know fertilizer Mm -hmm. grain but boy if you can if you can move those containers that come off the ships at the gulf directly up river your the cost efficiency in regular water times okay um are greatly improved and we're going to talk about some of the advantages of that all right buddy yeah let's get to it what you got in the news well let's start with some highlights from usda's crop progress and condition update for the weekend at october 30 corn 76 percent harvested that compares to 64 percent on average soybeans 88 percent harvested 78 percent on average chip we've seen uh the the weather has really played a huge role in this. We had a, a nice little frost that nipped the crop and just sort of put an end to it. Let farmers be out there in the fields. Cotton, 96% bowls opening, uh, compares to 94% average, 55% harvested. That's ahead of average as well. Yep. Your winter wheat, 87% planted, uh, 62% emerged, slightly behind the average, 28% good to excellent compares to 45% Jeez. last year, Chip. Can you believe that? 28% no. good to excellent. We're looking at 35% poor to very poor, Davis. 35. You've got mm-hmm. 17% in the very poor, 18% in the poor category. Brian Grady uh, called this shot. Uh, 
last week in, in Pro Farmer Newsletter that we were probably going to be looking at a record poor rating on this winter wheat crop straight out the gate, and here we are. That's oh, what boy. we got. So we're yep. just going to open the door for him to come around and strut around and say, I told you so. That's what we're doing here? <laughs> That's what Brian, we're about now? Brian Brian, <laughs> Brian doesn't do that very often, but we'll see. We'll see I've if he seen does. him do he, it. He may do that. <laughs> <laughs> well deserved, too. Well, the Federal Reserve is now paying out more in interest expenses than it earns in interest income. The central bank's operating losses have increased in recent months because what it is paying banks and money market funds to keep money at the Fed now exceeds the income it earns on Treasury and mortgage-backed securities it accumulated during bond-buying stimulus programs. Chip? Dude, I think that's what they call being upside down. The Fed's upside down, yes. Yeah, and... uh... You know, if it happens to a business, that is is not good news, and and it it is a, a point of concern going forward for the economy, no question about that. Well, President Biden said he will seek to impose higher taxes on oil companies that record windfall profits without reinvesting in production, with U.S. gasoline prices still high a week ahead of midterm elections. While the idea of imposing a tax on oil companies' profits has garnered renewed attention among progressives in Congress, no such proposal is likely to pass the current Senate. Natural gas prices have fallen more than 40% since hitting shale-era highs in late August. That reduces the risk of budget-busting heating bills this winter for millions of Americans and potentially easing a major cost pressure for manufacturers that decline due to warm autumn weather record domestic production and gas storage facilities that have filled up fast since the end of air conditioning season. OPEC has called for trillions of dollars worth of investments in the oil industry over the next two decades to meet what it expects to be booming demand for fossil fuels stretching far into the middle of the century. Chip, this contradicts what some are saying. We're going to end fossil fuels now. OPEC is saying, no, let's let's add some more dollars to this. Let's invest in the industry Expecting booming demand for fossil fuels into the middle of the well, century. Well, it's it's because it's because the alternatives are unacceptable, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I, I, th- maybe there's some realism finally seeping in. That would be great. Well, and this finally, according to JD Power, in October consumers paid an average of forty five thousand six hundred dollars for a new car or truck, thirty three percent higher than before the pandemic. Audio uh, auto. Executives remain optimistic that a backlog of pent-up demand will continue to keep car prices elevated in the coming months. Chip. All right, Davis, thank you so much. Let's bring in Karen Bonert, the editor at Farm Journal's Milk. Good morning, Karen. Hey, Chip. Um, Hey, Karen, you've got Milk Business Conference coming up the middle of next month. Tell us about it. What do you got planned? Well, first of all, it's the 20th anniversary, so it's a pretty cool thing. It's at the Paris Hotel and Casino, December 13th through the 15th. And like you mentioned, it's really hard to, it's not like any other dairy conference. It's very conversational tone, very producer driven. And we really try to bring that producer perspective up on stage. And they'll talk about multiple of issues, Chip, from labor retention to large dairy sustainability. In fact, we have people from Nestle and Starbucks coming on stage to talk about sustainability alongside a producer. You know, we also talk about the water crisis on the show a lot, and we have an expert from Colorado State addressing how will we feed those cows in the future. 
Um, this year is the first time we're going to have a young producer panel with three stellar young dairy leaders who will talk about technology and really what the future of dairy looks like from the, their point of view. Cool. Um, Art Shop, the New Mexico dairy producer who had a euthanized nearly 3,700 cows, will sit down yeah. for a one-on-one -on -one interview up on stage. Uh, the U.S. Farm Report will be live once again. Tyne does a fantastic job and we'll have leading experts to talk about markets and news. So listen to this, Chip. We, yeah. Our keynote speaker is American Ninja Warrior and award-winning <laughs> leader, Alex Weber. And my husband and kids really love that show, probably because we can barely walk a straight line, right? These guys can do so much. <laughs> but but they, he, Alex will talk about finding your edge, and it just brings a, a, a sense of energy to the room. Um, and we'll also cool. talk, speaking of energy, we'll talk about renewable energy. We have breakout sessions, networking reception. So yep. we're excited. Very cool. Very cool, Karen. Sounds like a great meeting. We'll have more details of that coming up ahead. That's Karen Bonert, editor, editor at Farm Journal's Milk. We've got Brian Grady up next here on AgriTalk. AgriTalk is brought to you by Rumenson. Rumenson's quality, consistency, and efficiency make it the right choice for your cattle operation. Rumenson, trusted by generations. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. AgriTalk is brought to you by the Conservation at Work video series. Farmer to Farmer, the Conservation at Work video series features real stories, real successes, real quick. See what's possible at farmers.gov slash conservation. Jim. Yes, Davis. You going to do No Shave November? No. No? No. Wait, wait, I'm sorry, what's it supposed to represent? I'm not sure. It's a it's a thing though. People do this. It, it, yeah, they do. Yeah. Um, no. I've got some stuff coming up later on this month. I got I got my look white sharp for. I I don't need my white beard making me look any older than what I. Oh here, you look fantastic. Looked. You don't look a day over thirty nine. Stop it. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna not shave my back hair this month. That's that's my version of no shave November. You know you won't see it, but I will know it's there. There isn't anybody that needed to know that. You'll I, wonder why. Why is this guy walking around with this smug sense of self-satisfaction? Because I've, <laughs> I've let my back hair grow for the wow. entire month. All right. Brian Grady, Pro Farmer Editor, No Shave November. Beach? Uh, no, I'm I'm still at the, uh, you know, once a week if I have to deal. But <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I'll let, 
I'll admit uh, uh, my my routine with the razor has has was was altered in well actually before covid but it it may have intensified during covid because uh, yeah i i'm not going through as many razor blades as i once did <laughs> oh beach uh dude last week you really started talking about the condition of the winter wheat crop and and went out and said that hey it looks like we we could see a record poor record low record bad uh, wheat crop, a hard red winter wheat crop rating when it comes out, and and we got it, man. That that looks really tough, doesn't it? Yeah, really. Uh, record low, uh, Chip, and and uh, you know, not only record low for the the initial one at at twenty eight percent, good to excellent, um, but uh, that's the lowest ever for any week uh, in the fall. Uh, so I had a dormancy and, and, uh, just really rough, but, you know, 28% good to excellent and, and, uh, 35% poor to very poor. Uh, and we knew, uh, we knew based on some of the state individual states that had been released and, and the pasture conditions and, and those types of things that, uh, it was going to be rough, but, uh, um, you know, worst ever, uh, worst ever yeah. start, uh, for the winter wheat crop. Yeah. You know, I've got several in the um, hard red winter wheat area that every time I mention that, boy, we got dry here in Northeast Iowa or look at how dry it is there. Yeah. They always hit me with the, you think you're dry. Look at how dry it is out here. Well, I get that. I get that. And the numbers really bear out, not only in the, the wheat crop that's rated good to excellent, but that is important to track. But, but as important in a year like we're in is the, the crop that's rated poor to very poor. And I'll just run down some of the numbers for you here, Beach. Colorado, 31. Kansas, 42. Nebraska, 38. Oklahoma, 36. And Texas, 65% of the winter wheat crop is rated poor to very poor. You want to talk about being starting the year behind the eight ball. This is tough. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it, and the, it's hard to get the market too excited, uh, usually in the fall about uh, conditions, um, you know, the, the emergence rates. The, so the planning has been running above or ahead of normal, uh, but the um, the emergence rate has been behind. And, and that's a direct reflection of the, uh, the just the lack of moisture that they have. Uh, we've seen that drought monitor. Um, the conditions were really poor through. Uh, you know, HRW country and, and they continue to spread, but now they're spreading into SRW country too. And and so while that crop's rated uh, in those states uh, um, better, uh, this is, uh, you know, a, a broad thing that uh, we're looking at. So, you know, a lot of times the HRW crop, especially Kansas, Oklahoma, and Texas, because of the volume that they, they produce uh, and the high percentage of the U.S. crop that that uh, encompasses yeah. uh, gets most of the attention. But uh, this is this is pretty broad-based, uh, pretty much across all the, uh, the winter wheat states right now. Right, right. Okay, let's talk about this corn harvest progress just a little bit because I think it's fascinating that we started the year off slow on the planting side, um, and it just feels, you know, the crop just – caught up through the season and then we get to harvest season and basically uninterrupted i mean what was there a day and a half you know i i didn't even check the day suitable for field work in iowa um in in the 
in that last reporting period. Here it is. Iowa, we're looking at 5.9. So we fell all the way back to 5.9 in the week. Six, six out of the seven days were suitable for field work last week. But it was a, it was a break that was much needed. And here we are with the harvest pace ahead of the average pace now. It's a pretty remarkable season. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, like you said, it, it started slow in some of those areas, but uh, more than three quarters of the crop has already been harvested and, and basically uninterrupted uh, through October, like you mentioned. And and uh, so it's been such a uh, fast pace. And, and I think the only thing that's really slowing it down for some guys is just volume, um, you know, having to, to get uh, the crop out and, and either in dryers or, or, uh, off to the elevator. And, you know, there's piles yeah. building across, uh, the state here. And, and, uh, so, uh, in a lot of cases, it's, it's been a, a big harvest as well, but, uh, uh, usually those slow down, slow you down a little bit, but, uh, with the, the weather, the way it's been, it's just been yeah. really rapid. Where's the crop going, Beach? Uh, in terms of, uh, like Movement. storage or, yeah, it, where it's not going is down the Mississippi River a whole lot, yeah. and it's it's not going to the PNW uh, much either because uh, we're seeing some of the soybeans diverted uh, to the PNW uh, because of the Mississippi River issues. So, um, you know, the corn exports are really slow right now. So, um, you know, it's going to take a while to, to chew through some of these piles. Now, the interesting thing is that we do have deficit areas this year because of the drought, uh, especially in the, the far western Corn Belt, uh, you know, through the Dakotas and, and uh, Nebraska, Kansas, uh, Western Iowa, some of those areas are, are deficit. And, and so we have to kind of uh, move things around, uh, you know, and, and you'll see that in your basis. That's the, that's the job of the, the cash market now is to, to get the, right. the supplies in position where they need to be. Right. Okay. Let's talk about the elections. Um, and I don't mean our elections. I mean, the Brazilian election elections, uh, Lula is back. What does it mean for for the markets? Well, uh, he's very much an environmentalist. Uh, so, you know, you're going to see a, a big breaks thrown on the expansion of uh, rainforest areas and, and other areas. Uh, if you remember back uh, to uh, his original term, they had a uh, like a forestry ministry or something like that, uh, environmental minister or something like that, that uh, uh, really clamped down on, on those types of things. And and so uh, I, I think that you'll see that, um, you know, the farmers by whole backed uh, Bolsonaro um, and uh, as did the the truckers and, and the truckers are striking now across the country because of that. And, and so um, I think that there's a there's some questions about what's going to happen with the, the ag policy and the farm policy in Brazil as we move into the new regime, the new old regime. Yeah, new old is exactly right. No, uh, keep in mind they they elected a convict. So I mean, the guy's been thrown in <laughs> in jail on bribery. So I mean, <laughs> just to keep everything in full perspective here. Yeah. So when you when you look at what's going on here and you think what a nut job world we're living in, you can you can find stuff that might be just a touch crazier in other areas of the world. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, as wild as things are here, um, we. Yep. We are on the uh, the lower end of the scale of, of wildness. <laughs> right. So let's go to another wild area. That's Ukraine, Russia's invasion of Ukraine, the grain deal. Is there a suspension? Is there a difference between suspension of the deal and ending the deal? 
No, no, that's just, uh, you know, just semantics. Uh, yeah, the, yeah, I, I think it's, uh, at this point in time, it, it you know, uh, grain, grain is still moving. It, it isn't what's already insured. It's the fact that the insurers may not, uh, um, cover those, those shipments, uh, moving forward, anything that wasn't already on the books. So, uh, that's, that's the biggest issue, I think, as we look at this. And, and we're going to continue to ebb and flow. Uh, and the wheat market's going to be very hypersensitive to these headlines, as I've talked about previously. Yeah. Yeah. What else are you watching right now, Beach? The South American growing season, uh, fuel supplies here. What are you watching? Yeah, uh, all that. I think, uh, you know, I haven't heard, uh, and I defer to Davis a little bit on this one, but I haven't heard a whole lot from farm country with uh, diesel shortages. Uh, they are popping up uh, in the southeastern United States, but uh, at the farm level, I, I haven't necessarily heard that. Uh, South American-wise, Argentina, it's really rough. Uh, they've, they've received some rains here recently, uh, but it's dry, and, and uh, you know, it slowed down corn planting, probably means some more soybean acres uh, on, on acres that were going to be planted to corn. Uh, but Brazil, it's off to a really good start, and the weather's been uh, very much uh, um, improved over what the, the initial forecast was. Gotcha. Good stuff, Brian. Thank you so much for jumping on this morning, man. Appreciate you. Absolutely. All right. That is Pro Farmer Editor Brian Grady. We've got U.S. Representative Sam Graves from Missouri up next on AgriTalk. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. Time for Markets Now with the experts from ProFarmer. Pro Farmer Editor Brian Grady sticking around for this. Beach. when we take a look at what's going on in the grain markets, we've got winter wheat futures leading the way to the downside. Hard red winter wheat futures leading the way to the downside. I'm, we've, we've got the disruption in supplies or potential disruption in supplies out of Ukraine that we just talked about. We've got the winter wheat conditions that we just talked about. What's going on with, with futures? Well, I, I think the big reaction yesterday, obviously, to the uh, the Russia-Ukraine news and and uh, on the grain export deal and and pulling back from that, uh, you know, the the winter wheat conditions, like you mentioned, coming poorer than than expected. But uh, uh, this market's still one that, that follows the headlines, and the headlines are that uh, um, Russia says they haven't pulled out of the the grain deal; they haven't ended it; they've just suspended it. And and so we'll see uh, what happens. Yeah. But more back and forth is likely in that market, like I mentioned. Yeah, net and forth. 40 cents out of the last two days to the upside is probably a win in anybody's book. Uh, soybeans trading higher today as well. Yeah, the the protests down in Brazil kind of got the market a little jumpy today to the upside. And, and I don't think that that's probably going to be a lasting issue. 
uh, but it, it may continue. It, it sounds like there's uh, a bigger protest thing scheduled for tomorrow. Uh, the Brazilian Supreme Court has said that they can find uh, anybody that is blocking roads. And, and so, um, you know, for now, it's supported for soybeans. Yeah, corn's about a penny higher right now. We've got some buying back in the lean hog market. Yeah, so the front end of that market, I think narrowing up the uh, the spreads, uh, they've you know, gotten a little bit wide uh, even for this time of year when we normally see seasonal pressure. And so they're uh, narrowing that up uh, both in the December and February contracts. Uh, limited buyer interest so far with a slightly weaker tone in both live cattle and feeder cattle this morning. Thank you, Brian. That is Pro Farmer Editor Brian Grady on Markets Now. Opinions expressed on AgriTalk do not necessarily reflect the views of Farm Journal Broadcasting, affiliate stations, or sponsors. We've cleared the schedule for you. Give us a call at 855-482-5524 and join the conversation. All right, Javis, real quickly, the No Shave November. Okay. The Let's goal of No Shave November, and this, thanks, Paul, appreciate this. The goal of No Shave November is to grow mm-hmm. awareness by embracing our hair which many cancer patients lose and letting it grow wild and free donate the money you typically spend on shaving and grooming to educate those about cancer prevention prevention save lives and aid those fighting the battle well Well, i can get behind that yeah yeah i i i i thought it was just a reason to not shave but there is a reason behind it so maybe we'll have to get behind this all right thank let's Thanks for joining us. Let's get back to the conversations now. We've got U.S. Representative Sam Graves representing the 6th District of Missouri joining us. Representative Graves, it's good to talk with you again. How are you? Great. Good morning. Good morning. How's harvest going? You about got things wrapped up? Um, We've still got a little bit to go. We're finished with beans. Um, Beans were less than what we expected uh, in terms of yield, but the corn yield has been uh, tremendous. So we're kind of in the home stretch with corn. We got about 900 acres left. Wow, still got a ways to go. All right, well, good luck with that. Stay safe while you're doing it. Uh, you, you you put out word at the end of last week about a new round of funding to upgrade barge loading facilities at Brunswick, Missouri. Give us some of the details on that. What are you looking to accomplish? Absolutely, this is something that I've been working on for. Uh, uh, for some time, and anytime we can get competition out there from moving grain uh, to our port, uh, the better. And right now, in, in many parts of the country, obviously, it's it's the railroads, uh, which are the only thing. So, anytime we can get more uh, more ports on our inland waterways, uh, the better. And, and this is money. This is a, a, a grant that's going to be basically it's going to upgrade uh, the facility um, there in. Uh, uh, in Brunswick, and it's going to allow for not only um, onloading grain into barges to move down the river, but it's going to allow for offloading of fertilizer. Uh, yeah. So this is this is just to make uh, give us more competitive bids when it comes to to moving that grain, and and I'm very happy that we're able to see that grant move through. Right. What about container shipments on the barges on the Mississippi? Is there much progress being made there? Absolutely. Um, there is, and this is going to have facilities to be able to use or to uh, uh, to offload containers as well. Um, so that's a good thing. Obviously, more and more stuff is being shipped uh, through containers, and, and we obviously yep. need to upgrade a lot of our ports uh, to be able to handle that. Okay. Th- this gets us to an important 
point in this conversation, Congressman, and, and farmers understand the uh, how important the barge system is to business in, in the U.S. Talk to the consumers about those container shipments on barges, why they are so important to to – to, to expand our ability in this country to, to move those containers on barges? Well, everything is shipping, uh, particularly anything that comes overseas, and a lot of the stuff we're shipping out of this country as well are now stored or, or they are shipped um, in the container process. Um, that has become the leading way of, of shipping everything, you name it, from yep. everything you might buy for Christmas to, you know, household um, you know, cleaning products to uh, many agriculture, a lot of, of agriculture products, food are, are shipped through um, through the container system. And so it takes some specialized equipment, obviously, to be able to unload and offload uh, those uh, those containers. And and uh, and it's vitally important. It's it's created problems, obviously, with the backup and the port of Long Beach and the port of LA in Southern California. And now we're seeing a lot of those container ships now moving over into the Gulf of Mexico and uh, doing their business with the ports over there um, because of, of the capacity issues. There's just so many containers that are coming to the United States and leaving the United States. Yeah. Yeah. And when you look at where Brunswick is, if, if that port, if, if that terminal becomes, you know, efficient, at moving container traffic through there, holy smokes, it serves all of Missouri for you, doesn't it? Oh, absolutely. And yeah, Brunswick is a very important uh, port in the in the state of Missouri for the Midwest, for that matter, because yeah. um, obviously those uh, uh, those products are going to leave Brunswick and they're going to travel all throughout uh, the Midwest. So we got to keep that. You know, and that goes back to the river, too. we got to make sure the river is navigable and, and you know, yep. it's being used for uh, navigation purposes. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. I want to switch gears just a little bit with you and, and think about some post-election um, possibilities. Okay. I had a conversation mm -hmm. with former Representative Mike Conaway last week. You remember uh, Congressman Conaway. Yeah. Um, and then I talked with Senator Grassley about this yesterday. They both agree that if the GOP does gain control of the House, there, there's going to be a return to deficit and debt reduction in, in, in Congress. Is that how you see it playing out? Yes, and that's the only way we're going to be able to fight inflation. The last thing you do when you have inflation that's run away like it is now at 8.5%, the last thing you do is continue to spend more money. And that bill that uh, that the president put forth, which, you know, you, you put a, a fancy name on something like that, the Inflation Reduction Act, that all that is the fancy name is putting lipstick yeah. on a pig. It spent more money. It was um, it was the Green New Deal. Plus, it was yeah. a tax increase. Plus, it added 87,000 new IRS agents out there. But it did absolutely nothing to uh, to curb inflation. We have to slow the spending down. That's what's going to uh, uh, have an impact on inflation inflation and that's the only thing that's going to have an impact yeah what does that mean for the house transportation and infrastructure committee going forward then well what's different about transportation is and 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 this the only thing that 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 uh uh so let me put it this way everything yeah. in transportation is done through a a uh, uh trust fund 
So you have yep. that, the Highway Trust Fund, the Aviation Trust Fund, the Inland Waterways Trust Fund, the, the Harbor Maintenance Trust Fund. So they're supplied yep. through user fees. So in transportation, we have to remember that we have to stay within uh, the guardrail, so to speak, um, of those trust funds. We have to make sure we don't spend more. That infrastructure bill um, that was put out, the biggest problem with it was it wasn't paid for. Um, we had enough money in the trust fund to be able to go to about $500 billion. That is more than we had ever spent on a surface transportation bill. And Speaker Pelosi made that wide. It was $1.2 trillion. Yeah. So we went outside of, of the funding. We have to bring that back in and make sure that it is covered through the trust fund. And we have to make sure that we continue to do that and only have, you know, have true trust funds uh, in transportation bills paid for by user fees. Okay. Yeah, see, I think that that some of the response that I got from listeners when they heard Conaway and Grassley say that was, you know, what about our transportation, the infrastructure spending? Is that going to end it? It doesn't end it. It just puts it back inside of those parameters that you just discussed. It's very important. Now, what about what about projects like uh, 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 rural connectivity? Does it slow anything down there? No, it won't slow anything down, and and a lot of that goes back to the states. It depends on, on uh, you know, a lot of our rural projects out there are only state funded. There's no federal, um, there's no federal uh, component to that. Uh, you take like the state of Missouri, uh, our lettered routes. Um, those are completely funded through the state. They don't get any money from the uh, uh, from the federal government, and so that's still going to be up to the states, the state highway commissions, the state highway departments are going to make those, uh, make those decisions. Okay. Um, some of the dollars that do come in uh, to a state from the federal level, though, can supplant dollars that then the state can allow to be used in the rural areas, but, but it's still going to be up to the states. And so it shouldn't have too much effect. Um, the state okay. policies will stay in effect and it won't have any impact. Okay, good. What do people tell you are the top issues for next week's elections? By far, um, it's inflation, um, and then it's, uh, it's, it's law enforcement, and then the third one is, is the border. It's border security. Okay. So when, when people talk to you about inflation, economy, interest rates, um, your plans there to help alleviate some of the problem, we talked about that. We get into debt and deficit reduction. What about crime, support for law enforcement? Uh, what can we do differently there? Well, we can get rid of the policy of defunding the police. That's probably the biggest thing. You know, a lot of these these cities that have defunded their police or pulled uh, dollars away from their police now are seeing these these outrageously high uh, crime rates. And the best thing they can do is give um, give the men and women who are who are protecting our streets and protecting our homes, uh, you know, whatever resources that uh, that they need. And and it's a big problem. It really is. And that whole idea of defund the police was the worst, uh, just the worst yeah. thing that uh, could have happened. And we need to go back yeah. to to traditional law enforcement. Good, good. That's exactly right. Uh, status of the union vote on the tentative agreement with the railroads. Can we get through this without a work stoppage? Well, I hope so. Um, it's kind of all gone back to the drawing board is the unfortunate part, and they punted it to after the uh, after the election. Um, we've got two unions out there that did not ratify uh, the agreement, and uh, uh, so hopefully it's not going to affect Christmas, but this could easily 
uh, affect Christmas. You know, we talked about those container movements uh, across the country, and a lot of those are done by the uh, by the railroad, and those are those products that that uh, you know the people are going to be buying. So hopefully they're going to get something done, but it is back to the drawing board and yep. kind of renegotiating everything. Yep. Real quickly, you do you think the next Congress will have the guts to do anything about the immigration and the border issues? The Congress will. Um, we'll have the uh, uh, the uh, the fortitude to get something done. It's whether or not the president will sign it. You know, and all we have to do is enforce the laws we have on the books. Um, That's immigration what I to reform. Hear you say. Exactly. That's all we have to do. That's exactly right. Representative Graves, you're one of my favorite to have on here. Thank you so much. Very important stuff. Thank you. You bet. That is U.S. Representative Sam Graves. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. Yields in the Fields on Agritalk is brought to you by Microessentials from Mosaic, the science of more. Discover our proven products. Text YIELDS to 31313. Welcome back to Agritalk, everybody. Davis Michelson here. And yes, let's get to today's Yields in the Fields from Mosaic. This one comes out of Polk County. That's in central Iowa. Corn harvest quickly wrapping up around here, they say. Our corn is averaging around 230 bushels per acre, 60-pound test weight, with moisture at 15 to 17%. It's amazing to hear some of the big yields, though corn on corn took a hit locally. That's today's yields in the fields from Mosaic. 15 to 17%. Well, that's going to save you a little bit on drying costs, Chip. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Got to like that. Yeah, yeah. You know, and that 60-pound on the corn. How did that happen? Mm-hmm. Where did that come from? Oof. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we, we talked about this growing season with with Brian, and it just shouldn't have happened that way, mm-hmm. with with the way things went downhill. All right, you know, with no rain at the end of the yeah. growing season. Yeah. All right, Davis. Hey, let's welcome in Brett Griffin, leading the field. Brett, it's good to talk with you. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you guys doing? Doing real fine, real fine, buddy. Hey, so what's got you so curious about food? Well, first of all, man, I love food. I love to, I love to go have a good time, man. So, uh, I, yeah. I, and I don't think I'm alone in this journey either, guys. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. And this journey, this journey is really interesting. It's leading the field with Brett Griffin. Tell us about it. So, man, I had the opportunity to go around to seven different farms uh, through throughout North America. I literally, I went to Canada, man. I flew into Calgary and went and saw a beautiful canola field. Uh, went to uh, Katy's, Kentucky, to see a cattle ranch. Had the opportunity to go to Champaign, Illinois, to see a corn farm, and I got to tell you guys, man, 
I, I travel a lot. I work in the NASCAR world. I've been a spotter for 20 plus years for guys like Elliot Sadler, Clint Boyer. I've seen a lot of dirt. I've never seen dirt look the way that it looks in Champaign, Illinois, man. So uh, <laughs> long, 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 long story short, I, I was blessed with an opportunity to go see all these farms and meet these farmers and man, completely blown away by how hard they work to feed America. I mean, I grew up in a small town, Pageland, South Carolina. We were big watermelon country back then, tobacco, cotton. We didn't grow a lot of corn. We didn't grow a lot of things that people need to be able to consume and or feed the animals, turkeys, chickens, beef, et cetera, cattle, uh, to be able to feed those guys. So, man, I, I'm completely blown away by what these guys do and how, I will say this, how massive their operations are. Like in Canada, it was not uncommon to see a, a field of 2,000 acres of canola yeah. or yeah. 15,000 head of cattle in Katie's, Kentucky. Like, I, I don't think people, you know, in, in America realize how massive the food has to be in order to keep us all fed. Yeah, it's a big effort and it's done on a big scale. Yet, when you had that visit in Kentucky with the cattle producers, Brett, the, their level of compassion and care for those animals is off the charts. It totally is, man. I mean, they literally make sure that the animals have shade. They make sure they have ponds they can get in when it's hot. They check on every single cow every single day. And I don't think people realize what that means. Imagine having 15,000 babies and taking care of them. That's what those guys are doing there. And, and I literally learned, and I, I made this statement in the docu-series, you know, happy wife, happy life, happy cow, happy steak. Like, if they if they yep. take such amazing care of those animals. Yeah, it, it all has an impact on the quality of that steak when it ends up on – and not just the steak, the burger, too. It all has an impact on the quality before it gets on the plate. You know, I, I'll i admit I was kind of amused by you finding – you know, trying to figure out, is it ape ricots or apricots? <laughs> Where would you end well, up on that? <laughs> so I'm a redneck from South Carolina, and there are a lot of distinguished people in this world. I'm not one of them, but there are a lot of distinguished people – in the state of California, and they also call it apricot. So I am going to go with apricot as my final answer the rest of my life. Nicole Phillips, who works for Moosey Dash Solutions, she's in St. Louis. She calls it apricot, and I'm going to enjoy the rest of my life telling her that she says it wrong. Okay, well, is it pecan or pecan? Well, where I live is pecan. Yeah, yeah. Well, hey, where I grew up, it, it may not be for everybody, but for me it's pecan too, so – yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We also don't say like my aunt Betty. We say, you know, people say aunt Betty. We say aunt Betty where I live. Aunt so, Betty. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Eastern, Eastern Iowa and, and the Carolinas might have something in common there. Yeah, okay. I'm going to go off script on this for you for a second. What did you think of that move from Ross Chastain? Because, I mean, fans either really hate it or they thought it was fantastic. Where do you come down? I think the only way you can hate it is if he kicked your ass, right? Like, cause I don't, I, don't, I, I mean, and, and look, if he kicked my ass, I'd probably hate it too, but my ass was already kicked that day. My guy wasn't running that great. I, I personally think that is the most clever dynamic move ever made in NASCAR history. And NASCAR is freaking 75 plus years old. So for that guy to do that, to have the guts and the, 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 the ability to just go up there and get up against the wall and do what he did, completely insane. Brett, I'm telling you, I've looked at the replays in slow motion, and while the cars look like they're in slow motion, Ross looks like he's in double time. It's absolutely. He ran two, 
So his lap time was 18 seconds. Everybody else's lap time was 20 seconds. So he Crazy. ran two seconds faster that one lap, and he only did it for a quarter of a mile. So, yep. so to make up what he made up, completely insane. Yep. Brett, hey, I'm looking forward to more of leading the field with Brett Griffin, brought to you by Nutrient Egg Solutions. Brett, thanks so much, buddy. We'll talk to you again soon. Thanks, brother. Sounds good. All right, man. That is Brett Griffin. Hey, come back this afternoon. We've got a conversation with Luke Beckman.